Okay, if you would take your Bible this morning, and I'm going to read, that's a text, this is a, again a topical message this morning, I'm going to read John 13, verse 1, and then I'm going to drop down to verse 33 and read 33 through 35. <clears throat> John 13, 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father... Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Then in verse 33, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you, That you love one another, as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. The title of the message this morning is Love, Our Mark of Identity. Love, Our Mark of Identity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word. We thank you, Father, that you have preserved it down through the ages of time. And given us an understanding that we have the very pure words of God in our own language. I pray that you'd help us to realize that it is a living book. It's power to trans- change and transform us. Help us to believe it. To rest upon its promises. To act upon its commandments. And Father, just to be obedient to the instructions it gives us. That we might glorify you. Thank you again for your love for us. Save anyone that may be lost. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John is known as, often referred to as the Apostle of Love, and John does write much about the love of God and love toward one another, and it's in his, his uh, uh, gospel and in his epistle where this is really recorded. Uh, also in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, he says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. But he isn't the only one that wrote about love. Paul, in Romans 12.10, says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Preferring one another. When he wrote Philemon, who had become a dear friend, of Paul's, he said this in verse 5, Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus, and toward all saints. And then verse 7, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints were refreshed by thee, brother. But Peter also wrote about the love of God, and the love we should have one for another. In 1 Peter 1.22, he says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, Unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. Then in 1 Peter 3 8, finally, be ye all of one mind, have compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. The half brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jude, also wrote in verse 2, Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. The word love is the word agapeo or from what we word gape, gape, it means to be full of goodwill and exhibit the same 
to be fond of, to love dearly. And Jesus said here in verse 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. The word new here means of a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon. And I think uncommon kind of hits the nail on the head, at least in my way of thinking. He's talking to people that are living in a Roman world, a world full of slavery and strife. Uh, it means unheard of. One commentator said this, quote, We might have the thought the new commandment was for us to love Jesus in an outstanding way. Instead, Jesus directed them and us to love one another, emphasizing there should be a special presence of love among followers of Jesus Christ. Unquote. Spurgeon said, quote, We are to love our neighbors as ourselves, but we are to love our fellow Christians as Christ loved us. And that is far more than we love ourselves. Unquote. You see, Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself for us, and he commands us to love one another in that same way. You see, love is. True love, which our world doesn't understand nowadays, but true love is a mark of our identity. It should be a mark of our identity. Now, I want to give you several things about love, biblical love. First of all, love is an act of the will. In other words, it's a choice. You know, the world tells us today that love is a feeling. It's an emotion, you know, that comes and goes, or it's chemistry. There's just this chemistry between them. Oh, yeah. Most likely it's just lust, you know. Uh, But no, biblical love is an act of the will. It is a choice. In John 13, 1, the Bible says here, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. You know, it, it, love is giving oneself. Here Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus loved them unto the end. In other words, he loved them to the uttermost. He would never stop loving them. And it was a choice that he made. John 3.16, for God to love the world. That's a choice that God made. 1 John 4, 7 and 9 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God. He that knoweth God... He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son in the world, that we might live through Him. See, God manifested His love for us. He, he, he chose to love us and manifested that love by sending His Son into the world for us. John 1.18, or James 1.18, I'm sorry. Of His own will. That's a decisive choice. Of His own will begot He us. And the way he begot us is through his son, Jesus Christ. Of course, Jesus came unto his own, his own receiving. You know, he, didn't, he, didn't, he, he didn't love those that loved him. You know, human, humans usually love those that love them. That's human love. Now, this, this love of God, which ought to be a mark of, of, of 
children of God is it's a, simply a choice. It's not dependent upon what someone else does to them. It's a choice. As I said, the belief today of many is it's a, love is a feeling, it's chemistry, it's emotion. No, it is first a choice. Feelings, emotions may become involved, but we were talking about a love that is a love of God, a love that is the fruit of the Spirit, and it is a choice. You know, look at Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Romans 13 really gives us a definition or shows us what real love is, and love is doing right by another. Romans 13, verse 8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another, noticeth, hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. You see, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to... commit adultery with his wife, you're not going to kill him, you're not going to steal from him, you're not going to bear false witness against him, you're not going to covet what's his, because you love him. You do right by him. You're not going to sin against him, again, which is a choice. It's a choice. <clears throat> Excuse me. In First John, First John chapter 3, in verses 16 and 17, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Again, Jesus, and Jesus chose to give his life. Uh, in chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Uh, and again, these things are, this is a choice, it's an act of the will. Love is an act of the will. But you know, secondly, love is learned. You say, really? Yeah, it is. Love is learned. Why would Jesus tell them, say, in verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another? I mean, these are the disciples that have been with him three years now, three and a half. These weren't hooligans or murderers. You know, they weren't criminals. Some of them were, were from good families. Don't you think it would have been natural they really knew what love was? You know, the natural inference here is they really don't know what love really is. He said, a new commandment I give unto you. A new commandment. This is something, disciples, you're going to need to learn. What do you think about it? Peter, 
The only thing Peter knew up to this point was what Peter wanted. And Jesus had to rebuke Peter pretty strongly several times. But after Jesus rose from the dead, and of course, in John 21, Jesus asked him three times, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And then he said this, when you were young, and this is, this is my paraphrase of that verse, when you were young, you went where you went, wanted and did what you wanted. But when you're old, they're going to carry you where thou wouldest not. Peter, real love is, you keep my commandments, and you give your life in service to your fellow man. It's an aisle of your own ambitions, your own desires, and your own passions. Those were, the, those were the last things Peter had in mind throughout his life. In fact, he wasn't even going to let Jesus be crucified. See, Peter needed to learn what real love is. You know, Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says this, The aged women likewise, just like the aged men, that they be in behavior as become with holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers a good thing, that they may teach young women to be sober, to love their husbands. You mean young women have to be taught to love their husbands? Yeah, that's what he said. And to love their children. You mean, preacher, would it be possible that a mother would not love her child? Yeah, it's possible at times. If you have six or seven or eight or nine, you know, it can be more possible. <laughs> Just kidding. But, you know, it's, it's possible. You know, they get frustrated. Uh, you know, there are women that don't love their children. I mean, look at our world. They abort them. They leave them. They give them up. Husbands are commanded to love their wives. Now, why would a husband have to be commanded to love his wife? In fact, to not love your wife, according to the Bible, Ephesians 5, 28 and 29, is to not love yourself. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29 says this, So men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. You know, in our modern world, many a husband is a Mr. Macho, abrasive, yells his wife like she's a neighbor brat, and then expects him to nourish his love of many toys, and then satisfy his needs and take responsibility for the children while he works and spends the rest of his time playing grown-up games. Grown-up games. You know, that is a typical man today. But what that is is a picture of a man who has never learned to control his male aggressions nor his passions. And that's the fruit of fathers who didn't take their responsibility to train their young, their, 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 their boys to be godly men that would take responsibility for the heads of their household.
You know, the, and again, there's, you know, there's nothing feminine about this love of God. Jesus wasn't feminine at all. He confronted Peter to his face about his sin and Judas about his betrayal. He drove out the money changers. He wasn't feminine. You know, again, this command, this is a command, this is a command for husbands to love your wives, even as Christ all loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, it is something, again, we men must learn by the Spirit of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 and verse 17, you know, he talks about how the, how the Gentiles live, verses 17 through 19. He's talking about how the unsaved, the Gentiles is a referral to the unsaved, that they, they walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, alienated from the life of God, and so on. Past feeling, give themselves over to lasciviousness. That's just uncontrolled living. And then, and, and, and then he says in, uh, uh, in verse 21, uh, verse 20, But ye have not so learned Christ, if, ye have, if that so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in, as in Jesus. And so we, we have to learn, and, and of course this, is a, this passage continues and, uh, throughout the rest of the book you know, in context. When, and again, we have to learn by the grace of God and the Spirit of God to love our wives. This was a new thing in Paul's day. You know, the Bible does not say we are to command our wives. I couldn't find that anywhere. You know, it does say we're to command our children in our household, speaking about Abraham, that he would command his children his household after him. But we are commanded to love our wives. We're to cherish them and nourish them. Ephesians 5, 8, 28, 29. The word cherish means with tender love, to foster with tender care. You know, husbands, does your wife have warm feelings about you coming home from work? Or does she brace herself for the onslaught that's about to come? Well, preacher, you don't know my wife. No, I don't. The Word of God does not say, if she is sweet and loving, you're supposed to love her. doesn't say that. Church... Or individuals, are you always sweet and loving to Christ? Were you sweet and loving when he died for you? No, it simply says, husbands, love your wives. And I'll say this, and you might, you might disagree with me. I don't care if the whole church disagrees with me. I still believe this. There is not a woman that does not want to be cherished and loved. Now, there may be a woman that does not know it because she's never received it. You know, it's natural for a child to love and want to please their parents. And it's natural for a wife to want to be loved and cherished by her husband. It's her nature. God made her that way. You see, this, and this love is learned, and, and we need to have this kind of love one for another. 
And again, I'm not talking about love that overlooks sin. No, we care enough about each other to help each other. But there is this compassion that is known, this love that is known. So, so we see this love is a choice. It is learned. Secondly, it is learned. Thirdly, this love is unconditional. Again, in John chapter 13, in verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, and Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And again in verse 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. You know, Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared unto old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. One, one commentator said this, quote, God's love is not like ours. Human love is an intense affection for another person based on feelings that can change from moment to moment. In contrast, divine love is unconditional because it is based on God's nature. Unquote. See, human love changes from moment to moment how we feel or the circumstances. But God's love is unconditional because it's based on God's nature. God does not change. Do you know, even the people that are going to end up in hell, God loves. Do you ever think about that? He loved them. Jesus died for them. The reason they won't be in heaven is God, God can't dwell with sin and their sin will not be paid for. It's not that God doesn't love them. But we're talking about a love that ought to be among the brethren, ought to, that ought to be a characteristic of a child of God. In John 15, verse 12 and 13. Says, Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And, of course, as we think about God's love being unconditional, you know, he didn't lay down his life for his friends. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. The word ungodly means those that are destitute of, of reverential awe towards God, condemning God, they're impious. So, so he died for the ungodly. Verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man one died, yet peradventure for good man some would even dare to die, that God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the word sinner means while we're still yet devoted to sin. Preeminently sinful. Especially wicked. And yet, Christ died for us. Because he loved us. That's God's love. That's the love we're talking about. You often think of Matthew chapter 5. And... Verses 43 to 46. 
And this is this is describes, I think, the situation we we're referred to this morning. Verse forty three says, Matthew five forty three, Ye have heard that it's been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and do what your enemy. Hate him. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. Sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. You see, if, we, if, if we're God's children... We ought to have this unconditional love for people. Because God does. If we're going to be like God. Yeah, I don't know why. You know, because I used to say, I don't care. That's not really true. You go out on visitation and you talk to people and you tell them the truth. And they're either not interested or they're, you know, they're just going their own way, doing their own thing. It just leaves you with a heavy feeling. And then I wonder, I wonder how God must feel. I mean, I didn't die for these people. So why should I care? what Jesus did. You see, God's love is unconditional. And Jesus is talking here about a love that's not based upon conditions or circumstances. It is unconditional. True love is unconditional. And then fourthly, love, biblical love, is the fruit of the Spirit. In John chapter 14... Verse 26, John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now Jesus, this is a one continuous message to his disciples from John chapter 13 to John, through John 16. And so everything that Jesus is teaching him, the, the these disciples, here in chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, and 17, he says, the Holy Spirit, whom I'm going to send, will teach you all these things. He's going to teach you all things. And love is the fruit of the Spirit. I said earlier that love is a learned behavior. It is not natural human behavior. Natural human behavior is described for us in many places in the Bible. For example, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, and three, one through 3, natural human behavior is described there very, very vividly for us. It says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of love. No, that's not what it says. We were by nature the children of wrath. 
even as others. Just look around the world. at the wickedness that's going on in the world. And that's just natural human behavior. You can be glad you don't live in communist China. If you're arrested and put in a labor camp in communist China, they might sell your organs, which means they will kill you to sell that's happening. Of course, we've got abortion. You know, that's natural human behavior. Because after all, my rights are going to be limited if I have to have a baby. Or I cannot indulge in my physical passions like I want. So, just kill that. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. This is, love is the fruit of the Spirit. It is not natural human behavior. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And when it says there, shed abroad, it means to be, be, be kind of overflowing of abundance. You know, Jesus talked about it, that he would give the Spirit, and, and when he gave the, would give the Spirit to man, out of his belly would flow rivers of living water. You know, see, if the Spirit of God dwells in us, it should flow, the love of God should flow out of us by his Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and the fruit of the Spirit is, and the first one is, love. I said to somebody recently, you know, where's the fruit? The first fruit of the Spirit is love. You have this knowledge you think you do, but where's the fruit of love? Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Spirit, Holy Spirit, uh, Whereby ye are sealed on the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all mouths, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. See, we grieve the Spirit of God when we fail to yield to Him and don't have a heart of forgiveness and kindness and love one for another. Chapter 5. Verse 8 through 9. For you are sometimes darkness, but now are you light and Lord. Walk us, children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And then Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 6 says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, serving divers, lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. 
You see, the love of God is the fruit of the new birth. Worked in us by the Spirit of God. You know, in 1 John, you know, there's some pretty strong statements in the Bible concerning this. In 1 John 4, 15 and 16, the Bible says this, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him. And he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now the word dwelleth here means to continue to be present, to be rooted as it were in him, knit to him by the Spirit they have received from him. So it's it's an idea here. Jesus said, the Bible says here, that he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. So there ought to be a continual presence of love in our lives. And evidence of that fruit is loving, of course, is a loving obedience to our Lord, which is displayed by love one to another. In John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus clearly states. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And one of the, this new commandment he gives here in John and in the the epistle of John is that we love one another as I have loved you. You know, practically speaking, that means husband to his wife. And I'm putting these in, in, in a purposeful order. Husband is to love his wife. The wife to her husband. The parents to the children. The children to the parents. And then God's people to the... And, and God's children to each other. And then to the world. You know, this, this is, this is, this, in fact, Jesus said, this, this is how you know, this is how men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said this, verses 1 through 3. You know, often people don't think Paul was very loving. They think he was kind of strong, you know, strong. And I think he was a strong-willed man. Maybe you just say stubborn, I don't know. But he was strong-willed. But, but he, he had a sincere desire to follow the Lord, and he obeyed the Lord, and, and he was a man that walked with God. But this is what he said. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and have not charity. That charity is the same word that's translated love in John 13. I can speak with the tongue of men and angels, and have not charity. I may come as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You, know, you could be gifted with languages, and speak many languages, and give the gospel many languages, but if you don't have charity, it's worthless. You could have, you could understand scripture and be able to preach a good message. That's what verse 2 is all about. And understand the word of God. But if you don't have charity, it's nothing. And you can sacrifice until you can sacrifice no more. And if you don't have charity, it is nothing. Thomas Malone. M.D. said, quote, In my practice at the Atlanta Psychiatric Clinic, sometimes people ask me what this psychiatric stuff is all about. It's increasingly clear that almost all emotional problems could be summed up in one particular kind of behavior. It's a person walking around screaming, For God's sake, love me! Love me! Love me! That's all. So they go through manipulations to get somebody to love them, and that's the core of most emotional sickness. Unquote. I don't know about you, but I want Lighthouse Baptist Church to be a place where people can understand and receive what real love is. It means we give them the truth and the spirit of love. You know, it's a church where sinners can find help. For their every need. You see, love is our mark, should be our mark of identity. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Would those who know you best identify you as having the love of God? Is the love of God being shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost? If not, Maybe you need to surrender to the Spirit of God, or maybe you need to be born again. Because the Bible says that whom God dwells in, his love dwells there also. Let's pray.